when I'm riding Scooter, I'm inviting him to trust me with the speed and the direction of us. Welcome to the Eden Podcast, where we true the verse of Genesis 3.16, and we discover that God didn't curse Eve or Adam or limit woman in any way. Welcome to True Friends Friday. I'm Bruce C.E. Fleming, Executive Director of the True 316 Foundation. Our website is tru316.com. That's true316.com. And we are the home of the Eden Podcast. And on True Friends Friday, we have special, special guests. And I have our co-host, Christy Fleming Goodham, ready to introduce our guest. Yeah. Hi, Dad. Looking forward to another good interview. Thanks and Katie time. Kistel, I'm looking forward to interviewing you and hearing your story. So let me set up um, a little bit about who you are, who our guest is today. Katie and her family uh, hail from Mineral, Virginia, where they live on a 400-acre farm, which I think sounds amazing and would love to ask you all kinds of questions about that, Katie. But for today's episode, we'll talk about, um, well, we'll set it up this way. You're an award-winning author who's passionate about sharing your love for horses in a contemporary shepherd and sheep metaphor. Your unique perspective on brokenness has helped lead thousands of God's children into a deeper understanding of the abundant life and the heart of the shepherd. Katie, you're also an ordained pastor, ordained minister, a pastor of, uh, let me try this again. You're an ordained minister, a pastoral counselor, a teacher, speaker, and the executive director of Beautiful Brokenness Ministries, a horse-themed discipleship and teaching ministry located in Mineral, Virginia. And you and your family live on the same 400-acre farm as the ministry. So that sounds amazing. It is. Thank you. It's magical sometimes. It's also a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other part I was going to say. It sounds amazing and probably plenty of work. Plenty of work. Plenty of work to be done all the time. Yep. So how many horses do you have on, on, on the property right now? Uh, so the ministry has 10 horses and then I take care of two of the, uh, we rent part of the farm. So the owner has two thoroughbreds and we take care of those also. So 12 total. And didn't I see a picture of a draft horse that you helped to bring back to full health? Yes, that's Koa. And uh, yes, he's a beautiful Belgian who we just rescued in August of this year and he's gained about 250 pounds in the two months that he's been with us <laughs> wow it's a lot of clover wow yes it, is. yes it is so how what's the difference between a, a thoroughbred on the one side and a, and a draft horse on the other side a belgian yeah so primarily size thoroughbreds are typically 15 to 16 hands uh, a hand is four inches and that's the way we measure horses so uh, Koa is almost 18 hands. So he's almost six feet tall at the shoulder. Wow, and just and at those, the shoulder. Those were used for what? Pulling major, major loads, right? Draft horses? He was a plow horse. He was rescued from uh, an Amish community where he'd been a plow horse for years. He has terrible scars on his shoulders from pulling a plow. Mm. Oh, wow. yeah. So how do you rescue him? How do you how do you help him get better? Well, so he was uh, we're just continuing his rescue. He was originally rescued by White Sulphur Springs in Pennsylvania. They rescued him in 2017. They rescued him and his brother and his brother died a couple of days later. They were emaciated. They were starving. 
so when he came to us, it's because he, they were noticing that he was having trouble keeping weight on. So the vet recommended euthanasia just because it, the, the winters are very harsh and she didn't see how they were going to be able to provide enough care for him. So we adopted him. The, the winters are much milder in Virginia and he won't have to do any work here. So he'll just, his primary job is to be loved and he's pretty, he's pretty good at that. So, and he's very good at that also. So. Oh, oh that's so sweet. Wow. Yeah. It's fun to hear. It is. Wow. It's fun to do. It's fun to participate in. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. And to imagine a horse's job being one thing just to be loved and that he can be good at that. That's, that's fantastic. And that's our job too, right? Is just to be loved by God and share that with others. That's, it's such a cool uh, parallel and metaphor. Yeah. I was thinking that that's exactly what I was thinking. I have twin six-year-old girls and I was thinking how that's been their job up till now. Now they're going to school, but up until very recently, that it's just been their job to be who they are and be loved on. And it's still their primary job. You know, the secondary job is school. So that's true. Yeah. I love that. Well said. Yeah. Well, Katie, tell us a little bit about how you came to know that our job is to be loved on and how you got to know this God who loves on us. I, I would love to share. So I grew up overseas. My dad is in the State Department, and I say he is. He's He's been retired. My dad turned 92 last year, so he's been retired for a little while. But I grew up wow. place, all over the world. Uh, I've loved horses since I could see. I was one of those horse-crazy girls. By the time I was six, I was reading every horse book I could get my hands on. We were in Botswana, which is a small country in Southern Africa, and my parents, who'd been churchgoers, you know, my whole life, so I was typical preteen, hated church, felt like it was a total waste of time. I would, you know, scribble horses on the on the leaflet as they were preaching about God and all of his wonderful attributes, um, and, and just dreaming about not being there, so... Mm -hmm. My parents met this wonderful group of missionaries who introduced them to Jesus and really uh, transformed their faith walk from one of religion to the whole relational God. And they, of course, wanted me to join them. Hmm. But at that point, I had a horse. They bought me a horse for my 12th birthday, and I was fine. I had no need for God. In fact, while I was sitting in the pews, I heard all kinds of things about God that I didn't really want, like uh, that he was jealous and that he was uh, going to punish me if I didn't obey just a bunch of stuff. And I'm not sure that I actually heard that, but that that was the message that I had taken in. And I also understood on some level that if I was going to be a Christian, that he was going to have to be my first love. And I already had a first love. His name was Blackjack. And I I just felt no need for God. Hmm. So my parents began praying that God would somehow speak to me through this horse that I loved. And sure enough, uh, he contracted African horse sickness, which is a fatal disease. It kills 98% of the horses that get it. So it had already been through our barn. Uh, all of the horses that had contracted it had survived, which meant statistically that mine was certainly be dead. Um, and so I was heartbroken and there's no medication. There's no, there's nothing to be done. So my parents suggested a prayer meeting and I was desperate enough to say yes. So 
my parents and their 12 friends gathered around me and they just prayed for me and they prayed for my horse. And I raced out to the barn the next day and he'd been healed. He was standing wow. there eating hay. And I knew oh. my little girl heart knew in that moment that God was real, mm. that he was powerful and that he was good. Mm. So that's how Jesus introduced himself to me. And it was, so he's always been for me, the relational God, not the religious God. And then he's just always helped me understand and receive his love through these horses that I love because I have such a heart for them. So I hear his, his voice, you know, whispering, I've got this little red horse that I rescued. Actually, he recently had a birthday and I just... I don't, he doesn't have to do anything right for me to love him. I just love him. And sometimes I watch him out in the field running and just being his beautiful self, his tail is flagged and he's this gorgeous, shiny chestnut and he just loves to run. And I have this physical reaction. My heart pounds and I get tears in my eyes and he just, he makes me love him. Hmm. And I hear Jesus whispering, you know, Katie, the way you love that little red horse is just a tiny taste of how much I love you. And that is something that resonates with me. I feel that in my soul. So it's a spiritual truth that resonates in my soul. And I think that it is no coincidence or mistake that 80% of girls between the ages of 10 and 18 would identify the horse as their favorite animal. I mean, if you go into any school, any library, anything, and you ask 10 girls, what's your favorite animal? They're going to say the horse. Wow. And I am convinced that that is a God-given hunger for this relationship. And I'm even convinced, and I share this when I when I teach about why I think horses are so cool, that the way our bodies are shaped, I've got two legs and a fanny, to sit on a horse as another picture of what it means to be in union. You know, Scooter doesn't become, when I'm riding Scooter, I'm inviting him to trust me with the speed and the direction of us. It's no longer him and me, it's us moving together as one. And when the Holy Spirit comes into my life, he invites me to trust him with the speed and the direction of us. So it's just another really cool picture. Wow. I, I do want to say I'm careful to share that I don't believe horses are spiritual. I, I believe that uh, man was made in the image of God. And that is why we're spiritual. I think to be made in the image of a spirit, you that's what it means. I do think horses have a soul. If you define the soul as that unseen place where the mind, will, and emotions live. So his soul responds to, to my soul and is just a really cool spiritual metaphor. Mm, yeah, that is so beautiful. You make, like, I'm sitting here being like, I, I want to go out and get my own horse now. <laughs> I live in the city of Minneapolis well, in the city limits, <laughs> but now I want a horse. Well, I can help you with that. I can, you know. We could scratch that itch. So we'll talk later. <laughs> yeah, especially with my two little girls, right? Oh, that is so beautiful and just inspiring in the way you lay that out. Like I'm not wiping away tears, but I'm blinking back those tears in my eyes. It's that's just so beautiful. Thank you. It's it's been my life's passion, really, is to share 
I think as a pastoral counselor, the biggest issue that I see, and I primarily counsel women, uh, is and often these women love Jesus and they they sit with me and they and they share their pain and they feel like you know they they they've served him well they've done sort of their end of the bargain and life is still really hard and they feel like it shouldn't be so now we're getting into your ministry story how did this sounds great I, and I love ever since I first heard about what you were doing I thought oh this is so wonderful so now what you do is you take hurting horses and you have hurting believers help them and then you help the believe how, how does that work out how, how does that how does that go well so we rescue horses and it's a really cool picture for rescue redemption reconciliation so the primary way that i share the ministry is through demonstrations and i'm usually scooter is my little partner so he's my little red horse that i rescued 23 years ago mm-hmm. when wow. he was three and so he's, I mean, I, I think humans love story. So the idea of sharing God's story through Scooter's story is really cool. So in this story, I represent God in that I'm the rescuer. And Scooter represents us in that he's the one who needs to be rescued. And he belonged, past tense, to a guy who I call Joe and I belonged past tense to the world. I belonged to the enemy. He was the, the father of the whole economy that I was operating under. And that's how we're born. We're born in Adam separated from God. You know, that's the whole Genesis, the fall thing. But so what Scooter needed and what I needed was rescue a rescuer. So I went and and bought Scooter and I paid for him with cash, which is a currency completely outside of his economy. He has no ability to comprehend cash. And he wasn't even around when I purchased him. I handed Joe the $500. Scooter was in the barn waiting for me to take him home. But I was purchased with blood. Jesus's blood is, is... I, I cannot comprehend that economy that is completely outside of my ability to comprehend it. And like Scooter, I wasn't even around. I didn't see that transaction occur. And yet it did occur on my behalf. So just because I can't understand it and didn't see it doesn't mean that it isn't true. So then reconciliation is the third part of this. And this is where it gets dicey for my horse and for me, myself, is this idea of reconciliation. What does it mean to be reconciled to the God of the universe? And the, the biggest issue that my horse has in this concept of reconciliation is this law of predator and prey. The law of predator and prey is an amazing analogy for the law of sin and death. And both of those laws came into being on the same day, which is the day that mankind chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Before that, there was no death, right? Genesis 1.30, behold, I've given you green plants. It shall be food for everybody. Nobody was eating anybody in the Garden of Eden. There was no fear. There was no death. And I can't even comprehend what that must have been like. But I know that there was communication between Adam and the creatures. He was naming them. That is such an intimate thing to do. You don't get to name. You only get to name 
things and, and people that belong to you. So the critters, I think, knew that they belonged to Adam and they belong to love. That's who God is. And that's who he, he gave Adam the task of loving creation. So this law of predator and prey comes into being. And now there's this rift just between God and man, mm -hmm. between the rest of creation, I think as a visible picture for the fracture that occurred in relationship. Hmm. So, what, so I need to do what I'm trying to trying to picture, though, is that, that, that I'm understanding this. This is great teaching. So who do you teach this to? How do they find you and how do you help them with this process? So a, a variety of ways. Uh, a lot of folks come into this sort of whatever you want to call it, uh, community called Beautiful Brokenness through my books. I write children's books and adult books. Uh, and so the Sunrise Farm, S-O-N, Sunrise Farm series is about a little girl who loves horses more than anything. I have no idea where I came up with this idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so kids read that. Um, I have an online uh, classroom through Kajabi called uh, New Life Horsemanship. And so we're just, we're about to launch our New Life Horsemanship online horsemanship program. So I'm starting to teach others these discipleship skills and theologies so that they can share these metaphors with others. Wow. And then uh, through the court system, I get a lot of folks who need community service or are sent to counseling. Um, and so they, a lot of them choose, especially girls, choose to come to Beautiful Brokenness because their horse is here. Um, and then churches refer. I'm on a several, I've got, a, I'm on the Charles Stanley referral list. And um, anyway, so a, a variety of ways. Wow. Well, I would beat the really board, cool. door down if I was if I was needing a counseling program and heard about your horse farm. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My sister, Debbie, just my little sister, she loved horses, too. And I remember she had a white plastic Palomino and uh, she played with that. You would see the Palomino on the top of the piano or in the kitchen table or in the bathroom or every. <laughs> Debbie loved her horse. Her horse. And then later on, she was able to to go out to a, a place and and uh, learn and did did lessons and yeah oh boy yeah horsing yeah well I got to go to camp every summer too a Christian church camp yeah. from our denomination and they had uh, a horsemanship program and I remember doing multiple years of that for a week long each summer and really loving that too yeah, yeah shout but out to camp camp uh, camp Chaminade with the largest horse ministry in the state yeah and our yeah. our one of our other granddaughters. Uh, is a, a big time horse person down in Dallas. So she every week she's she's out to the paddock and she's riding her horse. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so, very prevalent. There are lots and lots of horse lovers. Yeah, I didn't realize that though until you said that. Eight out of ten. I I just I I yeah. I'm like I can see that now, but I didn't know that. That's yep. cool. Yeah. Yep. All right. So you. You have uh, lessons or you have time when people come out and they get to work on the horses or how does that go? Well, a variety of ways also. So we, we do a lot of demonstrations. We serve about 200 people a year. Uh, so we have 4-H groups, youth groups, you know, large to small groups. Uh, and then often from those groups, individuals will contact me for one-on-one -on -one appointments. Uh, and I don't do any counseling and, you know, whatever you want to call that. I, I don't really like to call it counseling, but I don't do one-on-one -on -one appointments with more than one <laughs> just because 
it turns into a really intimate opportunity for people to share their pain. Hmm. The other really cool thing about incorporating horses, I don't like to use the word use because I don't think God uses his kids. I think he uses circumstances for his kids. I think he invites us to participate in mm -hmm. his, what, what he's got going on, which is mm -hmm. showing everybody how much they're loved. Um, and I don't like to use my horses. I like them to, to be my partners. So I love that. I had this young lady, this was years ago. She was 16 years old. She'd been in uh, foster care and really a lot of trauma. Parents were drug addicted and just a serious amount of pain, extremely cynical. And so she came to me with her arms folded because she'd been told she was going to counseling. And, and she just said, you can't tell me anything. I was like, okay, that's good to know. So I just pulled Scooter out of the field and started playing with him no ropes, no nothing, just started, you know, doing what I do. And after about 10 minutes, I looked over and she said, uh, actually, I do want to know how you do that. So it was a really cool open door to just start talking with her. And then you don't even have to say, so what's going on with you today? It just starts coming out. And one of the things that happened for this young lady she was just breathing in uh, the smell of White Star, one of my horses. And she said, oh, I just love White Star. I just love her. And I said, why do you love her? She said, I don't know. You know, she's just a horse, but I, I just love horses. And so I love her. And I said, you know what? God loves you the same way. You don't have to do anything. He just loves you because he does. And that was real for her. She That resonated for her and changed her life. She It completely turned her around. And uh, and I've seen that happen over and over and over again. So it's, it's, it is hard work, but oh, it is so worth it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine how rewarding it would be so much of the, so often and with so many people. Yeah. So... Tell us how you ended up getting connected to the True 316 ideas, message, and why it's impactful for you, or, or just kind of what's your connection to it? Okay. Well, I, uh, in 2014, my husband of 26 years said he couldn't be with me anymore. And he moved out of our bedroom and then cut me off financially. And we'd been in a really... Uh, strange uh he didn't physically abuse me but very abusive emotionally and and every other way and as a counselor I mean I understood that that was but as a Christian I also didn't really know what to do with that and so I just stayed so in 2014 he's the one who closed the door and I found myself listening to a podcast with Natalie Hoffman from the Flying Free program. So that's the first time I heard the, the True 316 message. For me, as a, I mean, I don't usually tell people that I'm an ordained minister because there's such a bias, at least in my community, against women being ordained or speaking or anything uh, and so it really helped for me peel back some of the layers of pain and misbelief about 
you know, why God would you prevent me from sharing just because I have estrogen? I mean, that just seems so unfair. But then also the sort of unconscious guilt that I'd felt much of my life wow. for, for the woman. You know, she wasn't Eve until after uh, God was explaining what was happening. She was the woman, was her first name. Um, so I just, I had taken a lot of that guilt and shame on myself without even realizing it. So it's been hugely healing and freeing in terms of just fearlessly sharing my message and not worrying about who's listening or trying to figure out how to defend myself if someone gets offended. So, mm -hmm. so that's been amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Yep. That's um, wow. It's also for me, I, cause I love going back to the original language. And, and so that was also just very rich. I love language and to be able to, to delve into the original languages so deeply was, was just very freeing and rich. So, so the wonderful thing when, you know, Joy was working on her doctoral dissertation and she would come home late at night and had all these discoveries and, and I would, I was, well, I was glad to, to find out what was going on. And then she said, you know, there's only two times that the word curse is used in, in Genesis chapter three. And yet most people, and when I knew this, most people think there's four times that God cursed. They think he cursed the serpent. He cursed the woman. He cursed the man. He cursed the ground. That's it. Mic drop. We know what that means. Four curses. And she's and here she is telling me there's two. There's two curses. One on the serpent. Woman, no. Man, no. Ground, yes. Serpent, ground. He didn't curse either human being. And I had to have a sort of a sick junior high uh, level sense of humor because I was a youth pastor and, and taught ninth grade <laughs> English. And so I said to her, yeah, but we know he cursed Eve anyways. And she didn't smile. And uh, I said, but it looks like it if, you know, he says, I'm going to zap your body of pain and childbirth. And she said, that's not what Genesis 3.16 says. And I know that if it's not in the verse, then then it's not. We made it up. We brought it in from somewhere else. Yep. And if we brought yep. it in, then it could be anything. It could be good. It could be bad. And in this case, it's bad. So God didn't curse the woman. He didn't give her an extra punishment. The punishment was that they would die. And right. we're all, you know, they're dead. We're we're going to die. So the punishment was death. And then he says to her, you're going to have sorrowful toil, just like the man will work on the ground. And I'm confirming you're going to have offspring. You're going to have the, the conception of the Messiah who's going to be the one who crushes Satan's head. Right. So you found that helpful? Yes. Incredibly freeing. Yes. So now the next step with the True 316 Foundation is we're just trying to get the word out to, tr to more people to let them know what's happening. And you became a true partner, which is a monthly donor to help us out. Yep. And I, I just thought, oh, this is great. You know, we want to we want to continue to grow the ministry when we want to go farther. So if somebody wants to join in the same way, they would go to true316.com slash partner. So that's a pretty easy address to remember, true316.com slash partner partner yeah i just want to say thank you katie i feel like your story is such a beautiful example I, okay as a mom who has spent a lot of time thinking how do i help my girls understand the gospel i don't want them growing up like many of my peers who grew up in christian homes feeling like it was their burden and duty to love god because we're supposed to love god right, right. 
and you and I think so often of you know first John tells us we love God because he first loved us and so our job is to receive that love and once we've understood it for ourselves then we can love God love others we can love back because we've received we've been loved You're um, and so yeah. I love the story of, of working with horses and how they just they just the ones with you their job is just to be loved and that's our job too and and that's what i want my daughters to to understand is be so filled up with love because mommy loves them daddy loves them their family loves them that it is just natural to love in return and yes grandpa bruce loves them very very much mm -hmm. he took them he takes them out to the playground and park all the time and they know how loved they are from grandpa that's for sure um so i love your message because it's such a great demonstration of of our number one job is to be loved and then the things that can get in the way the Genesis, the, the poor translation of Genesis 3.16, our misconceptions and, and the lies then we believe about ourselves yep. and others because of it. But yeah, but that we're, we're to be loved, just like those horses. Well, and I think if my picture of who God is, is broken, then everything else is broken. So the way brokenness is beautiful is that between me and Scooter, this law of predator and prey has been broken by me. I'm the only one who had the power to do it. And between me and Jesus, the law of sin and death has been broken. He's the only one who had the power to do it. And that helps me as I'm trying to make sense of, you know, scripture says the law of sin and death is broken, but there's still plenty of sin and death to go around. And this law of predator and prey has been broken, but you don't have to look very far to see something eating something. And so to understand that it is a personal heart to heart, that's where it's been broken. There's no longer anything between me and Scooter, and there's no longer anything between me and Jesus. And so that's how brokenness is beautiful, is because he has broken anything that prevents me from walking in the freedom that he has purchased for me. Well, this is great. I, I, we're going to put some links in the show notes, and and uh, if people want to know how they can horse around uh, with you, uh, we'll have we'll have and read your books. So we'll make sure we get the news out for that. Great. Thanks so much for being a true partner, Katie. And we we Thank really you. love what you're what the Lord is doing in your heart and your life and in your in your horses. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you, Christy. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Katie. All right. We'll see you in the round pen. Yes. Take care. Okay. Thanks. Bye -bye. True 316 Foundation is the home of the Eden Podcast. Join us for $3.16 a month or more. Let's true the verses on the key passages on women and men. Go to true316.com slash partner.